The music is on, the disco ball has dropped, and it's time to get this party started. You are listening to Disco Trek, a Star Trek Discovery after-party podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jeff Hewlett, and next to me at the turntable is the heart and soul of Disco Trek, who I bet is really excited that she finally got her Captain Tilly moment, the always wonderful Heather Barker. How are you, Heather? I love Captain Kelly. Thank you very much. I knew um, you would. As our listeners may be able to tell, I'm recovering from a cold, um, so I sound a little... This is mirror version, actually. Mirror, mirror version always of sick. Heather. There we go. I've got my goatee and my strange voice, um, but Heather that's why I sound a little... <laughs> We're going to have... I sense a Photoshop in your future here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why did I say that? Um, but very, very excited to be back, excited to talk about this episode, Um and excited to have new guests as always. Yes, I am too. And guys out there, watch the Disco underscore Trek Twitter feed for that Photoshop coming really, really soon. <laughs> All right. So as we do on every episode of Disco Trek, we have two guests with us who won our contest on the Facebook page that we'll mention here shortly. Uh, tonight is the 10th episode of Discovery called Despite Yourself. We're going to be talking about that. And I guess we'll go through and introduce our guests first. Uh, first up is someone that we actually interviewed on the show floor at uh, STLV last year in 2017. Nice to have her back on the show again. Welcome, Annie Muirhead. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Heather. It's really great to be on the show for real now and not just in a That's corner the of that <laughs> big uh, uh, big hall. I think it was the <laughs> vendor room, wasn't it? I think we were like way in the back of the vendor room, like huddled in a corner or in a, in a doorway. <laughs> doing yes, it I, I think it was, and it was for it was for uh, bingo. Yes. and I it was hard to find you. I had to ask. I got to ask people, "Where's Jeff? Where's Jeff?" <laughs> it was almost like Waldo, right? But I was there. I was there, and you won one of the like, prizes, didn't you? I did. It was very exciting. I won a gift card to shop LLAP. Nice, that's right. And uh, we used it to buy her limited ed edition uh, Mr. Spock's wardrobe print, oh, which yes. we now have and is absolutely gorgeous. It is. I actually have one of those myself. I was so happy when it finally came. I I'm getting it framed as we speak. We did that before Christmas. Nice. It's definitely something that deserves a good frame. Oh, it certainly, certainly does, guys. Uh, yeah, everybody out there. Hopefully, we should put up a picture of that thing on on the uh, the Disco Trek page, so so everybody can see it. All right. So we also have another guest with us tonight, a member of our STLV family on Facebook, Mr. John Wesley Huff. How are you, sir? Good, good. I'm incredibly excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to have you, man. We're excited to have you. So. All right, so we're going to get started here. Disco Trek, as you guys all know, is a community show. Each week we post a thread in the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group on Facebook uh, the Saturday before the Discovery airs. And responding to that thread can enter you into the drawing that will occur the Saturday before the show airs, where two winners will be chosen at random uh, to appear on the following Monday's taping of the show. And as everybody knows, once you appear in the show, you can't be on again. But if you've been on the show or you haven't been able to win one of the contests, you can also contribute to the show by leaving us an up to two minute voicemail at area code 609-512-LLAP. Uh, that is 5527. You can leave us a voicemail there and we can play it on the show for you. Or you can drop us an email or send us a tweet and uh, we will read it out on the air 
as well. So Disco Trek is also a kind of a loose format here. We kind of break the show up into three sections. We have Drop the Record, which is your opening marks and reactions to the episode. Play a new track is what we learn from the episode, and we finish it off with Spin It Again, the moments that stood out to you in this episode. And I guess finally, before we get started with our conversation, I want to send a quick shout out to all of our Patreon patrons. Thanks for hanging in there with us, guys. We really, really appreciate your support for Disco Trek and the Tricorder Transmissions Network. And if you're interested in becoming a patron, you can find us on patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions, or you can go to our website, the Tricorder Transmissions.com or shortlypodcast.com and click on the Patreon link and you'll be taken to the page. Becoming a patron, of course, will give you instant access to all of our unedited episodes right after we record them, including this episode you're listening to right now, which will be available tonight after we're done recording it and the rest of Disco Trek and Shore Leave 2. All right. So, guys, let's dive into uh, the opening remarks and fan reactions. And uh, also want to mention really quickly, I was so excited this was a Jonathan Frakes directed episode. So, so awesome. So let's see, who should we start off? Hey, Annie, what are your are, are your reactions, initial reactions to this episode? I loved it. I absolutely loved this episode. And I thought it was really impressive that they were able to, yes, prove all of our fan theories right, but still shock and surprise us. Oh, so it wasn't an hour of, oh, I knew that was going to happen. It was an hour of, yes, they're doing this. And oh, my God, I did not expect that. Nice, 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 nice. What about you, John? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely in the same camp. I think, you know, I think this might be my favorite episode of the show so far. Uh, yeah, which is kind of a bold statement. I feel like I need to, to watch it again. Um, I'd hope to do that this week, but I actually ended up opting to uh, listen to, or not listen to, watch the uh, Enterprise Mirror episodes because I had never seen those. And I thought, well, that'd be good. Yeah, good good background for this, but um. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the big caveat to that, though, is I think depending on how the whole Culber storyline shakes out, it'll either raise this in my estimation or maybe lower it a little bit. But, but you know, that's the, the nature of serialized storytelling. So right right now where we're at, like, I, I really, really did love the episode. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the elephant in the room. I have some comments about that, but <laughs> I will I will allow uh, the lovely Heather Barker to go next before I uh <laughs> throw out any of my stuff uh, uh, man discovery keeps breaking my heart y'all no right um yeah look yes okay i think that this episode um this this was an amazing episode to come back to okay um it, it the pacing was great i was captivated the entire time um i i immensely enjoyed it except for what happened to culper um, and I, we're going to talk about that in more depth at some point tonight. I'm sure, um, I wish it had not happened and it, it not, you know, not just from a, Oh, he's a great character standpoint. I just, it, it, I'm, I'm not cool with it. And I'll talk about why later on. Um, and that's why I say that it breaks my heart because I really did love this episode. And if it wasn't for that happening, I would say that this is my favorite episode of the season. Um, but because of that, I'm really torn, really torn up about it. Um, I love, I love that they went to the mirror universe. I thought it was a lot of fun. I love the new uniforms. Like there's just so much that, that I did really like. Um, but what happened was really, really bad. Um, so that's, it's just, oh, oh, 
God. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm so with you on that, Heather. I, I am so uh, on the, in the on the fence in the middle on this episode. I mean, it, it answered a lot of the questions that we had and, of course, made me eat a ton of crow. Uh, everybody who's listening to Disco Trek knows I've been the one uh, guy in the opposite camp that, no, Tyler's definitely not Vogue. No way, no way. Too much plot convenience. No way. And of course, um, the, the crow is in my hand and I'm going to eat it right now. But God, uh, this was a boundary on uh, in Discovery that I was just not ready to have pushed. Um, I mean, I, I can't even look at Ash Tyler now without seething. I, I don't even know how I'm going to be able to watch any more of these shows and not absolutely hate him and want to jump through the screen because I actually there have only been a few moments in television in my lifetime that I can remember where I actually yelled at the screen because something happened on the show that I just totally didn't expect. And this was one of them. Um, I yelled almost as loud as I did at this, the uh, season one cliffhanger of Battlestar Galactica where Adama got shot. <laughs> and I screamed at the TV at that one. But God, I, oh my God, I was seething every minute of the show after, um, after what happened to, to Culber. And I, I really, really, really hope that they don't wind up trying to pin this on Stamets somehow in the next episode or something. Please God, no. Um, so, but on the positive though, I don't want to sound all negative, but on the positive, I have to really commend the writing on this episode for tying itself so closely to Enterprise and being able to hold that continuity so perfectly. It was a, a great mix of, of nostalgia and the newness of discovery and, um, you know, where the past kind of trips into the mirror universe, um, you know, the past trips that we went on in, in TOS and in enterprise were kind of those fish out of water type stories. I, I like the, the fact that this one took a different tack and kind of gave the crew a leg up on where they were and how to conduct themselves. So it wasn't like they were just kind of flying blind and having to wing it. Um, I, I like the fact that, um, it's kind of an interesting take on the mirror line. The execution was really, really good. So, you know, we as Trek fans in the audience were already familiar with the setting and we've been through it a couple times. So they didn't kind of, they didn't unfold it in a, in a, oh God, we know all this already. Why are we watching this whole explanation of the mirror universe again? They, they did it in a way that was accessible to newbies, but it didn't, you know, drag Trek fans through an unnecessary re-explanation of mirror. So I really, really enjoyed that. So... Um, yeah, I was, was going to say, I think, too, one of the things I thought was really impressive about this episode is that the tone of it just felt really confident. And I think they managed to take the mirror universe, which is really, I mean, you know, it's been so parodied. It's kind of an over-the-top concept, right? And they're they're marrying it with Discovery, which is, by and large, a pretty serious show. I mean, even though it has its comedic moments. Um, and I just thought that was really impressive because in a lot of ways it reminded me of uh, my first exposure to the Mirror Universe, which is actually the comic book, the Mirror Universe saga, oh. uh, that uh, DC Comics. That, that as a kid, you know, I bought the graphic novel and I read that thing like over and over. And I think just the sense of fun that they had with it, and the kind of just really just going for it and not holding back, uh, was one of the things I enjoyed most about the, the episode. I absolutely agree with that comment about the sense of fun. I felt that in this episode more than I had in previous episodes. Despite the traumatic moment with Culber, it really felt like they were starting to have fun with the show in a way that Star Trek traditionally has done and that Discovery hasn't really done up to this point. I feel like they sort of did with magic to make the sanest man go mad. Mm -hmm. um, because that one, I thought that was a pretty fun episode myself. Um, okay. I <laughs> 
I do agree with you there. That is my other favorite episode that they have done. And I hate yeah. time loops. So I was really <laughs> impressed. Yeah, it was the music, though. Um, yeah, most definitely. It, uh, and I mean, God bless Tilly, because she's just like the redeeming <laughs> uh, humor. And it's really interesting because when we first met Tilly, and I think I said, like, it took it took me some time to adjust to Tilly because she was so drastically different from everyone else that we had seen. Um, and uh, she just continues to blow me away and be this amazing, inspiring character um, who I'll talk about more later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody else have any more uh, observations and things they want to throw out, um, initial reactions or, um, you know, things that... Uh things that jumped out to you immediately. No, nope, I'm good. Nope. <laughs> All right. So we'll move along to the, uh, our play a new track section. This is where we kind of go through the things that we learn about the Star Trek universe through this specific episode of Star Trek discovery. Heather, what did you, what did you learn? What jumped out at you as something new? Oh, I'm terrible at this. Um, so the, I picked out one really lame thing and that was the, the technology used in this episode um when when tyler was when he is going to extract the data core from mm -hmm. that klingon ship um and he's using that that hand like the you worker know, bee yeah, the worker bee. yeah the worker bee and that technology um i thought that that was that was pretty neat and of course something that we never see again because you know yada yada um, but that was my one lame thing that I picked out. I didn't do my homework very well with this section. Well, that's not lame, Heather, because that's also on, was on my list too. So oh, no. if you're lame, I'm lame. <laughs> we both can't be lame. And I'm lame too, because my question seeing the worker be was, why didn't they use that in the first episode to when uh, Burnham goes out to ex uh, investigate the torch ship? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been great for that mission. Oh, totally. <laughs> Yeah. So, Andy, why don't you go ahead and continue? Um, mostly what I picked up on that I was really impressed with that were new is you mentioned the continuity with the greater mirror universe. Mm -hmm. I noticed a lot of continuity within what we've seen on Discovery with just little details, like Tilly mentioning that her mother would love it because we've heard her say that her mom hates her hair. Or when she shows up as Captain Tilly on the bridge and Lieutenant Reese is over in the corner looking completely turned on and we saw him hitting on her a few episodes ago. <laughs> Just little stuff like that I picked up on and I'm like, wow, I'm impressed. And I think the biggest one I saw was Kayla Detmer has not said a word to Michael Burnham since she showed up on the Discovery. Mm. And as soon as Michael Burnham walks onto the bridge at the Shenzhou, uh, K Mirror Universe Kayla Detmer stands up, smiles, and applauds mm -hmm. and says, welcome back. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was a really powerful moment that I feel was probably powerful for Michael Burnham as well. Yeah, yeah well, that's funny because what you bring up, actually, it's one of those things that kind of drives me a little nuts because obviously, you know, there's so much story going on that we don't have time to hit all these emotional beats. But I'm just dying to know what Kayla thinks of Burnham and how they're interacting. Like that's just like, is like one of those things that they just kind of touched on a little bit early on. And I just, I just want to see them interact more so much like the, you know, our, our, our Kayla, I guess, but. Yeah. She's always like just there. She's like on the outskirts mm -hmm. and it's frustrating. I think that a lot <laughs> of us are just waiting to get more um, from the rest of the bridge crew and it's like, they, they got a nice spotlight in this episode, but again, just, you don't get, 
much of anything from them, which is frustrating. Yeah, that's one thing about Discovery that is a little bit different than prior Trek is that usually the, the most of the bridge crew gets a lot of time and a lot of those characters become really main characters, but they're more ancillary so far uh, on well, Discovery. And it's, it's kind of interesting to me too because um, that it sounds like, I mean, from I, I listened to the um, – uh, episode of like that one over David Mack's book, uh, Desperate Hours, and it sounded like they pretty much let him name like all the background characters, come up with their backstory. So it's almost like they never really even planned to you know, develop them that much, or or they just you know maybe they just thought, hey, you've done a good job, let's go ahead and go with that. But I just think that's like an interesting wrinkle, like <sighs> how much they ever planned on using them. Although you know, there's been a lot of um, tweets and stuff about how you're going to see more of them and there's more of them to come. So yeah. I think maybe they, they realize that, oh, hey, we've got kind of a gold mine. Like people are interested in these people. So let's do something with it. But I hope so. For sure. So, John, um, do you have or Annie, do you have anything else on your list before we move on to somebody else or? Um, mostly I have like really nitpicky detailed stuff because that's that's how I watched it my second oh. time around. Um just little things like I also enjoyed watching the bridge crew watch Lorca do his Scottish Scottish accent. <laughs> um, and poor Ensign Connor. Poor, oh. poor Ensign Connor. <laughs> we got to we had to watch him die again. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny on After Trek. Um, he came on and they were talking about filming the fight scene and that um, Sonequa Martin Green one of the times that she kicked him, she kicked him a little low and not where she was supposed <laughs> to. And it was like, it was, it's pretty hilarious um, to watch that part. So I don't know if anybody's <laughs> not seen it go like kind of fast forward or however, I don't know. I hate CBS all access right now. So I don't even know if you can fast forward. Um, but t- that's his interview's funny. So props, <laughs> props to Sam Bartholomeos. I agree. Props to Sam. He's a great kid. I met him at STLV. Um, But I think the biggest piece for me was the revelation that they didn't send the Klingon cloak data before they left the prime timeline. They had time to send off Admiral Cornwell for medical treatment, but they didn't send that Klingon data, that Klingon cloak data. And that adds just a sense of urgency to this little (laughs) expedition in the mirror universe. Yeah, Yeah, they they mentioned that very briefly, I think, in episode nine, because he... Uh, Lorca has like this little like throwaway line where they said like there's too much data to send or, or no, it was they, they couldn't come up with like a secure transmission. So they had to deliver it in person. So it's like it's like just a, again, it's like a throwaway line. So you're like, oh, that's, you know, once they get stuck in another universe, that's obviously going to be a problem. Yeah, I have to yeah. go back. And I think I missed that part. Yeah. Uh, I think you also have the other sense of urgency that the the brutal and terrifying Captain Tilly has been unleashed on the Prime Universe. Yeah, uh, they got to get back quick. <laughs> you never yeah, know what oh, she's going to do. We've got to have like a one-off episode. I would just love a one-off episode of Captain Tilly in the Prime Universe, like d- doing who knows what, you know? <laughs> so do you guys think that we're like, the, these last episodes are all going to be in this mirror universe? Do you think we're going to make it back to the Prime timeline? Well, they did say they're going to wrap this story arc in first season, right? The, the next season is going to be something different. So I, I guess they're going to have to get back um, some point before the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's the thing. If, if they're going to try to wrap up the Klingon war, 
like if, if they're gonna i mean depending you know assuming they ever get back to their universe i mean that's another big question mark probably out there but um i would think they'd need a couple episodes to kind of wrap up some of that stuff but um yeah, yeah i don't know yeah. well it seems to me like they have a lot of unanswered questions in the mirror universe and a lot of potential for big character moments and character development as they see these other options and these other worlds also, they could definitely they could definitely swing it so that they get back to the prime universe at the exact moment that they left it, and therefore we we just have to send the plans. We just send <laughs> that data, and we can finish the Klingon war up nice and tidy in like one yeah. episode. Well, and it's like I mean the the what was left of the war. It's like Cole's ship was destroyed, the sarcophagus ship or whatever. Um, so like their leaders were all gone. Laurel was with them, so it's mm-hmm. like. Obviously, you have to clean up all the loose ends there, but um, it's just I, I'm interested to see how they'll wrap up this season. But obviously, it looks like we're going to be in the Mary universe for a little while. Yeah, well, yeah, at least a couple episodes, I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my that my my gut feeling is we're at least two, like three episodes minimum at least. But yeah, how many do we have left? Five after this one? Five. Yeah. Okay. So maybe two or three more of these, and then back to the. Uh... The prime universe. But I did like the fact that they they brought in that piece of continuity from Enterprise where they, they know they don't need the spore drive to get back because of Reliance presence uh, in the mirror universe. So that's kind of cool that they'll they'll be able to figure that out and get back without having to utilize the spore drive. It's a defiant, right? Defiant, sorry. Reliant. Why did They're I say I always get those two ships reversed. <laughs> they sound the same. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm yeah. not going to edit that out. I'm going to leave that in. You leave that in. You be proud of that. Today. We have a little bit. We have some honesty here. On yeah, Disco I'm sure. Trek. I'm sure I'm sure you're not the first nor the last Star Trek fan to make that swap. I'm, I'm sure. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, Heather, building off of your worker bee technology um, comment, I think another piece of technology that I never realized they had was they have robots that can paint the exterior of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> you want to change yeah. the ship's call sign? Send the robots out, man. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Kind of funny. I like the whole mirror montage, like setting up for that. It was fun, indeed. Um, I, yeah, I loved that. I am looking forward to seeing some mirror cosplay at STLV here. Oh, I'm sure and there'll be plenty of that. Two hundred and twenty. No, two hundred and two days. Oh, she's got the, the day count. I've got the countdown for <laughs> STLV. Nice. Um, yeah, no, I thought, I don't know. What did you guys think about the the Mirror Universe costumes? Well, oh, they're amazing. They're really good. Just... And apparently that they're capable of replicating tons of stuff in a really short span of time on that ship. It's really oh, impressive. Oh. <laughs> really impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the one thing that you, I learned is that everyone looks really hot in Mirror Universe. <laughs> 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 Like geez, geez, geez! I don't know. It's just really, it's just a great looking uniform. So hats off to their costume designer. I can't remember her name right now off the top of my Gersha, head. But... Gersha Phillips, I think. Ah, there we go. Yeah, that, I, that was really, really impressive. Like when I saw After Trek, and she's kind of talking about some of the thought process behind that, and it was just really cool how she kind of replicated the sash with the holster and the the belt and everything. I, yeah, I was very impressed. I like yeah. that um, they like they were gender neutral uh yeah you know like they there was no tummy showing or you know the the women's uniforms did not um 
weren't you know what I mean. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I never understood why the mirror universe required crop tops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, having just watched the Enterprise, the, those two episodes, and I'd never seen them before, oh, like, gosh. it was just so embarrassing. Like, you have Hoshi as, like, the captain's woman, like, in lingerie, lounging around, and T'Pol's in her, you know, I was like, oh, boy. And it's, it's the jumpsuit, except the crop top jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, I took a pair uh, of scissors to it, cut the middle out. So, yeah, so props to them for not making it some wacky armored crop top thing. Um, <laughs> I totally respected that. I think that uh, the Star Trek store or Novos or whomever um, is going to hit the jackpot with all of this. I'm, I'm sure that Novos will probably get the license. As I think they've already got the license for the Discovery regular uniforms, so... But uh, good luck to all of our cosplayers out there who will be making this stuff on their own. Um, the if Another thing from After Trek, they talked about the meaning for all the different medals. Um, so, like, one is 50 kills, one is, like, master of poisons. Like, they all have actual meaning, which is really neat. And uh, there's a graphic floating around online with what, what all of those mean. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That's the fantastic attention to detail that has just really characterized Discovery. <laughs> yeah, that is true. There is a there are so many things that I do not pick up on on my first watch of these things, and even on my second watch. Sometimes we've we've been doing this show, and you know, guests on the show or Heather will point out stuff I'm like, "Wait a minute, I didn't notice that. I watched it twice. I didn't know. Let me go back and watch that again." Oh yeah, I'll be damned. <laughs> I <laughs> I typically watch these episodes two to three times, and I gotta be completely honest. I had a lot of difficulty getting psyched up to watch this a second time. Yeah. Um, me too. And. I almost I'm like fortunately I was sick. Um, <laughs> as I I was like sniffly. So I thought it was just allergies on Sunday night, and then by Monday Monday morning I woke up just terrible. So I'll use my excuse that I've just been too sick, <laughs> too sick to watch it. Um, but I'm glad that I had a little bit of time. Uh, I started watching it again last night and fell asleep, and so I. Finished it and then rewatched it again today. <laughs> so technically, I've seen it three times now. Um, well, is, it, is that like a good segue to to kind of tackle the elephant yes, room? Yes, that's that. Yes, that's oh, where I'm trying to go, and I just don't want to go there. I know. Well, I have one more thing I can throw out, but it is around about Ash Tyler. Um, I don't remember. Uh, you guys might remember, but I don't remember. And they said on this episode, in fact, Culber himself said that when Ash came on board, they gave him a battery of tests, including what he called a Manchurian, Manchurian test. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. remember them saying that at any no, point. No, they didn't. Earlier. They never mentioned nope. any of the testing that he got. We were all like, you know, what? Like, wouldn't they have done a medical test on him to figure out? Like, here's the thing. I, at this point, I'm just kind of, I'm, it's not, I don't know that it's disappointment. It's just that I feel like this has all been too predictable. Like whomever it was. And I try to think like, would I have figured this out if I wasn't like, if I hadn't read it online, um, if there was no social media, would I have gotten it? And I kind of wish that there was no social media so that maybe it, I had a chance to figure it out, but mm -hmm. I, I, I may still have. And at this point, like now that we know what it is, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Um, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think, cause I thought that same thing, like even, even with the fact that we jumped into the mirror universe, I was like, if Jonathan Frakes hadn't kind of let that slip and it wasn't out there online, would I have figured out that's where we're going? And with that one, I think, no, I don't think I would have really gone there, but with Vok, it's like, he literally just disappears from the show yeah. and then Ash Tyler is introduced. So it's kind of like, I feel like we probably would have put two and two together, maybe just because we're so used to like going back to him. But yeah. yeah. And I, I noticed, Oh, I rewatched this um, with a friend who saw it for the first time the past couple weeks. And I noticed, you know, Shazad Latif's name has been in the credits since the first episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's been there. So whether he's Vok or Ash, um, it, you know, it would have been two different actors, blah, blah, whatever. So it's like now we know and I will I will give them credit. OK, um, first of all, I still have difficulty with the scenes between Laurel and Ash, um, and I still take a lot of issue with this whole him being raped, used as a plot as a ploy within the plot, I kind of wish that they had just left that part out. Um, it's obvious when he is with Laurel that there is, you know, he's really mad and angry and disgusted. And then he's also very much attracted to her. Mm-hmm. And that is, we assume the vogue that's buried in there. Um, I hope it just, I really don't like it. As a sexual assault survivor, it makes me really, really, really uncomfortable, and I want to curse right now, and I wish it wasn't a part of Discovery. Um, however, I thought that the the scene where she she triggers him with the prayer and he starts talking like Voke, I thought that was done really well. I thought it was pretty powerful. I don't know mm-hmm. about you guys. No, I, I agree. And I wish they had left the whole sexual aspect of the relationship just out of this entire process. And there's actually, I, th- I think that they've also mishandled his PTSD yes, because really great. it's Starfleet policy to put pe- people with PTSD in quarantine. That's a great idea. Well, and he's so like, you know, I was part of my, my spin it again, which sorry, I'm going to spoil it. Um, comes back to she's Shaz- Latif. I think he's doing an amazing job um, of of acting the, the, between these two characters, especially in this episode. I mean, he is tortured. He is not well. He is ill. And I like we see that. How 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 is it that only Culber saw that? Like every mm-hmm. you know, Burnham, she's his partner. I guess we'll say at this point, love interest, whatever. <laughs> like they would realize this. Like it's noticeable. It's it's written to be noticeable. So everyone, like the people that work with him on the ship, would notice these things and would say, "Well, there's some stuff going on here." And instead of enabling him, Burnham really should have been like, "No, no, you're you're not handling it. Having a PTSD flashback while you're trying to extract a piece of machinery." Is, is bad. And while you may have think that you handled it, you shouldn't be having those flashbacks when you're off doing something like that. Um, the fact that, that the writers are handling that way just makes me really uncomfortable as well. Well, and yeah, and it really reflects badly on Burnham. Cause that was the thing through that whole scene. Like I, I get that they're trying to show that she cares so much about him that she's giving him some slack, but that's like, it, it's so bad. Like it's so unprofessional. She's putting not only herself in danger, but she's putting the whole ship in danger. Yeah. Um, for for really no good reason. Like there's not. I mean, there's not a great reason not to say, "Hey, 
this guy should be taken out. You know, there's other guys on the ships, I'm sure, that could, you know, run security. Uh, so, yeah, it just it kind of reflects poorly on her, I think, as, you know, a Starfleet officer, I guess. Well, and I find this it, it all interesting because, you know, Lorca goes and takes Culber off of Stamets's, um case and is saying, well, you know, that you're, this is compromised because you're his husband, blah, blah, blah. And then after the whole scene where they're extracting the data, the data core thing, Lorca walks over to Burnham and he's like, well, he's safe now. And can I trust you to do this? So it's like Lorca takes it away from Colbert, but, you know, yeah, treats Burnham as he has been treating her as his little pet. And and it's just like, oh, you can handle this, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. There's a double standard yeah. with the emotional compromise. Totally. Yeah, totally. And I think well, all of that, though, that is down to just like whatever, you know, helps Lorca and his agenda. <laughs> like from oh, yeah. scene to scene, I think, you know, I think that's why it's so different between the two of them. But absolutely. I and- agree. There are, <laughs> there are definitely ulterior motives in Lorca's handling. And I was remarkable rewatching this episode and watching Wilson Cruz's performance and watching Culber figure everything out because Culber is definitely on to Lorca. He knows who Tyler is and just watching the nuances of his performance as he treads a line between being devastated that his husband is in such a state, reassuring Tilly as she tries to help and then standing up to Lorca. It's really beautiful to watch. That was a great scene between Culber and Lorca. That was probably my, one of my favorite scenes in the entire episode was that interaction mm-hmm. when Lorca's taking him off of uh, Stamets' case. It was just well acted. The tension was just, you could cut it with a knife. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I loved that he was so willing to stand up to to Lorca in that in that sequence. It was just, it was brilliantly done. Um, and that's another reason why I felt so terrible when, you know, the subject we're about to talk about <laughs> actually uh, happened. Well, uh, just to delay that for one second, I just wanted okay. to mention one we'll thing. Putting it off. Uh, keep putting it up. This whole, uh, uh, the whole Vogue thing, which I, I kind of, I think, like a lot of people are almost just sick of even thinking about because it's been out yeah. there for so long. But like now that we kind of, now that we know that apparently this is Vogue's body, that they have shortened the legs, they shortened the bones, they've rearranged his insides, they've gotten rid of duplicate organs because Klingons are supposed to have these excess organs. And then they, they've implanted Ash Tyler's brain over top of Vogue. And my brain, I guess I'm just sort of disappointed by that because I was really hoping Ash Tyler was a human that Voke was just, you know, grafted onto mentally because just like, how did, how did they do all this and heal him and put him on the ship? And it just, it kind of like strains credibility, which I'm willing to give the show lots of leeway when that comes to that. But that just kind of sticks in my craw, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm right with you. I everyone knows I'm the one that's like, it's science fiction, right? But (laughs) but there's only so much that my mind can uh, deal with. I don't know. There's only just so much I can take. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you, Heather. Remember, remember back on the the episode uh, where they where they spring Ash Tyler from the prison ship, and he comes back to Discovery, and we were talking about the whole Ash is Voke thing, and I'm like, no, it's too convenient. I mean, how would they have ever known in in a million years that somehow Lorca would wind up on that prison ship? And I mean, how it's just so so convenient. And they're like, no, 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 it's it's totally it's totally believable. It's like, it now now that the, the the it's actually sprung, I even feel like he's even more 
ridiculous. Uh, the whole setup feels just too convenient. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, the physical modifications are a bit far-fetched. To me, it sets up an exploration of what it means to be a person, since this Ash Tyler is this created personality that has been overlaid on top of Oak, and clearly it's become dominant enough that he's resisting mm-hmm. uh, Laurel's trigger phrase. So it's I think it's going to become a discussion of, does Ash Tyler have a right to be a person? Is he a person? What makes him a person? Well, what makes a Volk a person? Point. I like that. Yeah. You go, girl. <laughs> no, I, I like that point, too. Yeah. And I, I think we've talked about it a couple times before about how potentially, um, you know, Ash Tyler, you know, as Vogue could be the, the bridge between humanity and the Klingons and the source of creating a peace between the two as he, you know, because he realizes that humans aren't the horrible people and creatures that the Klingons thought they were. But after what he did in this episode, I don't even care. I'm like, you know what? I have no sympathy for this guy anymore. I don't I don't even want to entertain that <laughs> at this point. But uh, that's just Yeah, me. that is that is pretty hard to come back from. Like they could they, I mean, he could have I mean, maybe if he if he killed maybe just some kind of random one-off crew member that we weren't already attached to and we weren't invested in, maybe then. Okay. But Yeah, I mean, it's, there's some maybe slippage there. It's kind of like I mean, you could say okay, who who was in control then? Was it Ash or was it Voke? And are they separate people? I mean, it gets messy, but yeah, it's it's difficult. It's messy, and I think that Ash is losing it. And I think um, they even like have the the Klingon voice going on when that happens. Um, so I think the motivation is certainly um, Voke's motivation there. But regardless. Um, Man, this this it's a really difficult subject to talk about. It's a very loaded subject, and I really don't want to do it. So before I say anything, I I want to point out two different articles that were written that I think deserve a read from everyone. Um, the first was written by my dear Trek bestie Claire Little over on Trek Core. And um, it's it's her review of the episode, and she does talk a little bit about this scene in there. And our friend Andy over at Women at Warp um, and the Women at Warp blog wrote her review and then a separate article, um, a painful discovery of, about what has happened. Because, you know, for many people, this is just a character and for a lot of people okay yes it's a gay character and the writers the actors three of whom are gay themselves have come out and said this is not the last that we've seen of Colber which is kind of okay so so it's all very placating right um mm-hmm. for the queer community Seeing seeing our first openly gay couple, which they're like one of the most amazing couples on Star Trek, <laughs> for many reasons. You know, they're it, it's a healthy it's a healthy partnership that they have. Um, they're a couple that I you know would want to be someday. Like what they have is just really amazing and wonderful. Um, to to have one of those characters killed off, um, one of those characters who is also a minority character, um, it hurt really badly, and. What what was extremely upsetting to me was having so many people turn around and say, but, 
but it, you know, he's, it, he's not really dead or he's going to come back. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. I don't care. Read these articles because they say everything much, much better than I can. It talks about the barrier gaze trope, um, which has been discussed, debated all over the Internet the past few days. Um, The reality is that that's exactly what they did. You can color it whatever way you want, but they killed off um, this gay character. And they, they did so knowing knowing the effect that it would have, knowing that they would have to come back and defend that Mm -hmm. and say, but, and and that's all really, really difficult. And I, I totally understand, like they tried to, Oh, that's not our intent. Yada, yada. It, It, it doesn't matter. What matters is that it happened. What matters is that it hurt a lot of people. And it's, it's even more hurtful to come around and say, but, um, and Claire put it a really good way. It's like, um, when Spock died, it wasn't like, we're just supposed to get over that and say, well, he's going to come back, you know, don't mm-hmm. worry about it. it. You're basically saying that, you know, our feelings about the death of Spock or our feelings about the death of Colber are invalid and that they don't matter because the character is going to come back. And that is, is BS, um, that's a slap in the face. And so it really bothered me that, that people were doing that online to the point that, you know, I tweeted, don't tell others how to feel about this. Like we have the right to be upset about it. And, you know, I get, I'm well aware that Aaron Harberts and Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp are all amazing, wonderful gay men in the community. And I don't, you know, I, they, they they knew what this would do, and I think that um, they were prepared to try to come back. And I know that they they believe in what they're doing, and they want us to wait and see. I think that they just didn't anticipate um, the reality of how hard this would be for the LGBT community specifically. Um, I watched this happen. I've been watching it. Um, watching it by myself now. This is the first episode I've watched by myself. And I gasped and I just sat there with my mouth open. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go through a, a range of emotions. Um, and anger is a big one. But at the end of the day, I came out of this really sad because I'm just really sad that the writers did this and knew what they were doing. And okay, I'm going to stick around for the ride and see what happens. Um, but this was still really, really difficult. And I'm tired of being told this stuff like isn't going to happen and then having it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned before the, the fact that we've had two women of color characters killed. Um, like that stuff matters. And the writers think Aaron Harbert said something about like, you know, you don't know us. Like you don't know the writers. If you think that this is what we're doing, you don't know us. And the reality is we don't know you. Um, shout out here to my friend, Jocelyn, who kind of mentioned this. She's like, we've had 10 episodes. That's not a lot of Star Trek. And in those 10 episodes, you have killed two lead women of color and, you know, one white guy and a bunch like when it comes to like the main characters, it's those characters that are getting killed. And, you may not get that, like, you know, I'm a white woman. It, it may not 
may not register, but for, for people who are minorities, seeing those characters like that hurts. And I'm just really tired of seeing this kind of stuff in discovery. Like I know our, like I, I do, I know who the writers are and I, I have faith that they can do better. And I don't know like what the ultimate motivation is. And I, I'm going to stick around and see, but I just don't want any more of this to happen. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. guys. Uh, well, no, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's interesting. I feel like I have a lot of different thoughts that swirl in my head still, even all these like many days afterwards, because I mean, as a, you know, a gay man myself, I mean, I had a very similar reaction when that happened like when the moment happened i i'm like the person who does not really vocalize while i'm watching a show at all um and i didn't scream at the tv but i was just like i, I literally just like kind of softly like no like no you're not doing this and pretty much the entire rest of the episode which i was you know enjoying so much like i was sort of weirdly numb because i was like i can't believe they're actually doing this um but you know having said that my perspective on this is I, you know, I'm torn because I, like, I like the the baggage of the Barry your gay trope. You know, um, is there? I think the baggage of um, I'm a white guy, but I mean the baggage of like them killing off people of color consistently is there for me and is a problem. Um, but I do kind of have uh, this other side of it too. Just my own personal take is that you know, as a as a, a writer myself, it's like I, I do I really I, I don't think that good drama always makes you feel comfortable or always makes you feel good. Like, um, you know, sometimes it makes you uncomfortable. Sometimes it makes you sad or it makes you angry. And that's part of what makes it memorable. It's part of what gives it those extra shades. I think um, the problem here is, you know, in serialized storytelling, you don't get the ending right away, right? So you are left with that that emotion and and they're like and like you were saying heather the intention of the writers is to give you that emotion so it was really weird for me to to see them coming out on after trek and really i think in kind of an unprecedented way like i can't think of any other show ever that has literally gone out of their way to say don't worry guys it's okay they're not really dead you know what i mean like like whether it's walking dead like you know the the talking dead or whatever you know, if you get those questions, I mean, compare this to what happened with Cornwell. It's all a lot of like, well, we'll see. She yeah. might be dead. She might not yeah. be dead. But this is like, they're like, look, guys, he's back. He's got, don't, you know. So it's clear to me that, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of this work happens ahead of time, right? And I and I do believe, um, I think Aaron Harpitz was the one who's saying, you know, they, they were kind of taken by surprise about how quickly fandom latched on to this relationship. Um, and you only have to look at Tumblr or any kind of online space to see that people love these characters and love this couple. Um, if they're, you know, Discovery fans, you love that couple. Um, so I, th I do think they were surprised by how, you know, quickly people latched onto it. And I think that worried them. So it's at the same time, while I understand, like, the function of, of, of having these hard things in drama, it almost, it almost made it seem... I don't know, kind of uh, kind of hollow that they walked it back so quickly. It's like I'd, I would rather if them had the courage of their con their convictions and stuck with the story than like trying to backpedal. It just is. It, it creates a lot of like mixed messages in my mind. Yeah, can I? I want to follow up with just a point. Um, and Andy makes this point in her article at the Women at Work blog, and I made this point um, before with the 
the sexual assault scene with Tyler and Laurel. So they're showing these things not from the appropriate point of view. The sexual assault was from Laurel's perspective. So it it didn't really come across as what assault is to me, to someone who's been assaulted. In the same way, like this, the, this scene, it was very much driven by Vogue Tyler snap, you know, d- driving the discussion, snapping the neck, moving on. And so it was just like, oh, neck snaps. The, the, there was no like meaning in that death. It yeah. was just kind of like th- there. Um, and I know from what the writers have said, well, it's going to be really meaningful, but again and yes it's a fault of the serialized storytelling like we're not there yet so what you prevent what you presented to us was just a really rough and difficult scene and that like that's all we got it's he's dead and then we see in the preview for the next episode stamets is cradling colbert's dead body etc um but i just feel like for me and I you know at least with this death like we're supposedly gonna see more um and we'll that that it'll add meaning to the death and the the character relationships and everything else versus I wish they just left out this whole sexual the sex scene because it was a sex scene you know um so I just I find a similar parallel there between those two things. Yeah. So I was going to actually say something, um, something similar along the lines of something that you just mentioned uh, that Andy said. And I was going to elaborate a little bit on this. That uh, aside from what we've already talked about, I one of the things that stood out to me the most about and upset me a lot about Culber's death was the fact that it felt, I don't want to say needless, but it almost it felt meaningless. Um, and this is a trend that has been bugging me in a lot of television shows these days. I mean, I, Walking Dead specifically, where I, I'm really sick of these writers and shows getting us emotionally invested in these characters. And I think for me, I was probably the most emotionally invested in Culber and Samus because they seemed the most real to me out of all the characters on the show. They were they were relatable and I, I really I feel like there's this trend where they build up these characters and give us these these backstories and get us emotionally invested and then rip the rug out from under us for seemingly no reason. Um, you know, bringing up Spock's death, at least Spock's death in the Wrath of Khan had mo- a huge meaning. I mean, his sacrifice was monumental, and you understood that, and it yeah. helped you to to process what you saw. And no matter how, and I love that character. I've loved that character all my entire life, and I could accept that death and say, you know what. There was some meaning there, but to just offhand it, and even if they, sure, maybe they'll bring him back or his death will have a meeting to something, some other scene that's coming up later. But the fact that they just, they, they treated it so offhandedly like, oh, crack, bye, I'm done. And he walks away. And it just, it felt like there should have been more purpose and more, especially after having us so in, in, involved and emotionally invested in the character himself and He's been been more a part of each episode as the series has gone on. We barely saw him at the beginning, but he's been more and more a part of the ship. And and I just I hate to see, you know, they they give these characters a purpose on the show and a place on a show, and then just rip it away with no meaning whatsoever. But um, 
I don't know, it, off my soapbox there. But, <laughs> but that don't was just, worry, Jeff. The meaning will come later. No. Of course, of course it will. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, and I don't, I don't know. It, it, I don't know if it'll help me at this point, but yeah. Um, I think Heather did a great job of covering why it was problematic. Um, I could see how the writers got where they where they did. They were clearly setting up Culber as being too inquisitive, too on to people. And it was almost at the I had the thought today that if Ash Tyler had not killed him, Lorca would eventually have sidelined him, taken him out of the equation in some way. But the fact remains, when you are writing these episodes, you make choices. And they could have made different choices. And maybe that's something they should have thought about doing. They between this uh, the sexual assault, the PTSD, and this the uh, barrier gaze, they don't seem to have a great awareness of the issues that they're touching on. And if it's we're calling so out, oh, sorry, it sorry, it's just frustrating <laughs> because like I feel like they should. I feel like I. I mean, and I don't, I don't know these writers. Um, I feel like they've done such a good job in other places. And I mean, you know, it's a, it's a diverse group of people writing. Um, I just, I feel like they should know better. And part of me is just like, you know, where is that the, the hand of Hollywood that's just hovering over, you know, forcing all this stuff because everybody's like, you know, well, but Aaron Harbert is gay and Anthony Rapp is gay. Wilson Cruz is gay. And I'm like, yes. And that it's also their job. Like this is their job. And so they are going to say what they need to say. And I, I don't doubt that they, they also believe in what's happening. Okay. But at the same time, like, are they going to quit their job? No, it's a great job. They're working on Star Trek. It's, it's, Unless it's something, and I mean, there's enough there for them with wherever the story goes that no one was disgusted enough to to walk out and to quit. But it's like at, at the same time, like there is an influence that is beyond the actors, beyond the writers of a presentation that they have to give to, to us. Um, so... I think that that influences some of the things that they say and the fact that they had to turn around immediately and start apologizing and trying to reassure everyone and defend themselves um, very much says that they know that they did something wrong. So sorry, Annie, it's just really frustrating because I really, I love the writers and I think they're doing such a great job, but I don't understand why things like this keep like going under the bus. No, I agree. Um, and if we're calling out shows that keep doing stuff like this, Supernatural, stop killing women. Mm-hmm. And Walking Please. Dead, stop killing a disproportionate amount of minority characters. Yeah, They've been taking a lot of heat for that for years. And it amazes me that other shows haven't gone to school on that because, you know, that they keep getting called out for it constantly. And that hasn't changed. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that's interesting about that is, like, I mean, there is a school of thought, which I, I do, like... <laughs> Like theoretically, I subscribe to this where it's like, you know, again, you know, as a gay man, you know, I like I, I don't want I don't want gay characters in this again this is going to sound kind of like a straw man, but I don't need gay characters to be perfect. I don't want to avoid gay characters as villains. I don't even mind you killing off gay characters when it makes sense. But um, so it's like I don't want to limit anyone's creative freedom. But, yeah, the, the idea of not realizing the context of the moment and understanding that the history of how these characters are treated 
matters to, you know, lots of people like, you know, queer people, LGBT people, and, and just pe people, humans, you know, I mean, who are paying attention and care about those things. So it's like, it, I, I would love to be able to, I lo would love, you know, at some point where in the future where you can basically set these characters up of any kind and do what you need to do with them dramatically without worrying or thinking about, um, there's kind of like meta stuff going on around you, but we're not to that point. Yeah. We're not there yet. No. And I think that's like, you know, to Heather, to your point is like, you know, this stuff where they're kind of mollifying people. And again, I mean, like you, I, I think the world of these writers, I love the world they, they've created. I love the characters they've created, but um, it doesn't mean I have to love every decision they make. And, and I think it means that, you know, people's emotional responses have to be respected um, like I'm, I'm totally on board waiting to see how this works out. Like, uh, I'm a little nervous how, now because I mean, it's similar to like the sexual assault scene. Like I was fully on board and I think I even, you know, tweeted a little bit about this, about, you know, I'm, I'm willing to wait and see how it works out. You know, okay, maybe they're going somewhere with this, but it kind of feels like with this episode, we were told like, they're not going anywhere. It literally was just, a, a, a another kind of form of, um, you know, deception to make you think that this is what was going on. And that really sits badly with me. So now, so now I'm like a little worried about this. I was like, I want to believe that you're going somewhere good with this and that it'll make sense and I'll feel better about it. But my faith is definitely shaken. Yeah. It just really, I mean, it's going to take the entire series um, for me to be able to come back and like make, having an informed opinion about how all of this was done but yeah, it um, it's just really tough because, like I said, I thought this was a phenomenal episode, and I loved so much about it. But I was so uncomfortable with Laurel and Ash, Tyler, with their interaction, um, and then I was just devastated when this happened. And you know, the response among the gay community has been mixed itself. I mean, there are plenty of gay people out there who were okay with it. Um, it didn't really bother them and don't say anything bad about Aaron Roberts and, and Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp. And I, it's like, at the end of the day, everyone's going to have a mixed reaction. Um, but I think that, you know, let's just stop the gatekeeping. Like people mm -hmm. can, can be okay with it and people can be hurt by it. Um, and we're allowed to be hurt by it. And I'm not insinuating anything about the actors or about the writers or producers um, who are gay, who were okay with it. Like they are going to continue to be, you know, pillars of the LGBT community. It's, it's not an attack on them. It's just, I'm just saying that what I saw was very awful. Was I mean, it was just, it was, yes, yes. it was, yeah. It was, and this is just so frustrating because, like, I have now been like double traumatized by my favorite show. No, um, and so it's like, she, I mean, oh, I'm like on the verge of cursing, which we cannot do because I love this show, and um, like I said, I got to introduce this show to someone who hadn't seen it, who turned around and was like, "This is how you do Star Trek. Like, this is, you know." how how you recreate something paying homage to what was there and I was just so happy that yay like I got someone into it and then it's like oh man um 
I guess we'll see what happens. I, I, I can't give up guys. I do a podcast about the show. So, um, and I really do love the show. I do. So I think we've kind of talked about all there is to talk about with this and probably can go ahead and move into spin it again. What do you think? Jeff? Or do yeah, you have more? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can definitely move into spin it again. I mean, I did have one more thing. I guess this was actually part of my spin it again that kind of is tangential part of this topic uh, not necessarily about uh, what we were just talking about but one thing that i was wondering about um because it's i forget the exact line that laurel used but obviously something has gone wrong with the 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 programming uh, of ash tyler's brain and Mm -hmm. my my mind was trying to figure out what could have caused that to actually to happen and i was wondering if you guys thought that maybe his attachment uh, to to some of the humans that he's been interacting with, especially Burnham, may have caused that malfunction in his programming that would make the the Ash Tyler personality resist and uh, and not want to give the body over to Vogue because he has these feelings. Maybe the Klingons didn't plan for that type of a reaction or a type of uh, the feelings that he would develop. Um, I would just just kind of spitballing as to what could have possibly broken it. I mean, it could be something as simple as a botched surgery, right? But I wanted to find something deeper in it, um, you know, despite his horrible actions. What did you guys think about that? I, I think that would align perfectly with the fact that he's Burnham's first love. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, that's a nice thought. I think it would work out well. Cause I mean, I took from that one, that last scene with them that he's basically saying, I love you. And mm-hmm. she's basically saying it back. Um, and then they maybe possibly do the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yes, but they're saying I love you in a really unhealthy way. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. not a good relationship to emulate. <laughs> it, well, it's just he's he's not a healthy person. And I mean, the whole, you know, it's this relationship is here for the plot. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, there are. I don't know. It's tough. I like them together. I think they're cute. Um, but because of the the length of the show and the lack of development that we get, I mean, we haven't really seen the true development of the relationship. Mm. It's, oh, they like each other. Oh, they kiss on the dance floor. They kiss in a tent on Pavo. And now they're in love. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't really get that, that backstory, but, um, uh, yeah, I think it would line up. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think there's a couple things at play there that, that, that my mind kind of goes to. I mean, one thing, you know, when you're doing talking about, you know, how how did he break this training, or why is the, you know, the the training not working, like to bring him back? And I do wonder if Ash is an actual person, like they've got these engrams or whatever they're calling them from a real person, because we know there was a Starfleet officer who has a history whose name was Ash Tyler. So it makes sense to me that maybe that is a real human, you know, because trying to, I mean, just logically that makes sense because trying to make a, a brand new human brain from nothing from scratch would be difficult. But it does also make me wonder like, okay, well, what, what was the nature of his conditioning? Like, was he assigned to get close to Burnham? Like, is, is this love even a real thing? Like, or is it something that was part of the whole process of infiltration? I don't know. 
Um, and then I think that becomes messy. Like if, if he does break the training permanently and decides to live as Ash, then there'll be a lot of questions. So, I mean, I think a lot of that is actually pretty fertile ground. Um, as, as annoying as it could be to get there, I, I kind of think of it in a similar way to the revelation that we're in the mirror universe or the revelation that Vok is Tyler. I mean, where you go with it is probably more important than the, the surprise of the quote unquote mm-hmm. twist itself. But, but yeah, um, I don't know. My paper thin argument against Ash Tyler being a real person is that we don't know who he is in the mirror universe. They uh, completely yeah. overlooked figuring out <laughs> who he is in the mirror universe. So mm. I don't think he has a counterpart because I don't think he's a real person. No, I think uh, there there is um, Voke is or Vok is on the ship. He's on the rebel ship. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of tell in the the trailer thing um, that he's in the background there. At least I'm pretty sure that's him. Yeah, but I agree with I. I think Jeff is on the right line. I think the Ash Tyler personality has developed these relationships, and our relationships are a huge part of what make us who we are and what make us human. And that is that it's developed to a point where his personality is strong enough to want to have a mind of its own. Yeah, and that would that would play into the whole, you know, what makes us human. Storyline, etc. Um, I mean, I like I like that storyline better. I hope that's the direction they're going. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good one, Jeff. Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, well, I guess we can launch into spin it again. And uh, so this is the time in the show where we talk about the moments that stood out to us the most in this episode. So, um, Annie, why don't you kick it off? Um, I'm going to briefly mention Ensign Connor again, just because uh. I have such a love for Sam uh, Bartholomeos. He actually, we have a great picture of Eric and I with uh, Kenneth Mitchell and Mary Shifo at STLV because a member of their entourage shed said, you guys need a picture with the Klingon tattoo. Uh. Um, and Sam actually grabbed my phone and took that picture for us. Aww. So, <laughs> um, but beyond that, I love watching Lorca work. Captain Malfoy, I want to know what he is up to. (laughs) Just the little things like making sure nobody looks at the jump logs. And yes, you know, and oh, sorry, Mm -hmm. sorry to interrupt, but I did. (laughs) I wanted to point that out that Burnham specifically said, we need to go back and look. And he said, nope. Nope. He like, he (laughs) totally put her in a different direction. So thank you for mentioning that. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, that's okay. No, um, so I'm excited to see what Lorca is up to. I'm a little concerned that we did not follow the plan. We were supposed to beam onto the ship, get the information, and beam off, and yet we are warping off into space. Um, but mostly, I'm so excited that we're going to get Andorians. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's overdue. It's overdue. Yes, I love me some Andorians. Yes, they're very underutilized. No Gorn, though, unfortunately. Doesn't <laughs> Who side would they be on in the Mirror Universe? Who knows? I'm okay. We've already seen a Gorn in the Mirror Universe. There was a Gorn in um, the know, Enterprise episode, I... and it was horrible. No, he had a tail. That was not a Gorn. They said he was a Gorn. I know they did, but he's not a Gorn. <laughs> he has a tail. No, he's not a raptor. Gorn are not raptors. <laughs> Sorry. Um, anything else that stood out to you, Annie? Um... And of course, shout out to Captain Tilly. Oh, Captain Tilly yes. is fantastic. Um, <laughs> I love watching this cast work. They are all phenomenal actors, and their performances are just so nuanced and so real that it's a pleasure to watch them work. Mm. Yeah, I have to agree with that. How about you, John? 
Uh, well, first of all, Lorca and that leather duster was awesome. Like, you look so yeah. great. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. He rocked that. Um, I definitely, I mean, pretty much every scene with Tilly. I, I love Tilly. I kind of loved her from the beginning. Um, and the first moment when she is trying to be the captain just by voice only, and she kind of like stammers through that uh, opening <laughs> what, what, line. What the heck? Yeah, like, what the heck? What the heck? What are you, what are you, you know, it was like perfect comedic timing. I love that. Um, but actually, the, the, the moment that I kind of wanted to come back to the most, um, and it's kind of been talked about a little bit already, but was really that fight scene between Connor and Burnham. Um, and, and the fight scene itself was awesome. It was staged well. I really liked how they kind of went over it in um, After Trek. But to me, the, the thing that really made that kind of special was Burnham's reactions and like the kind of emotions that she's going through. Yeah. Um, and the way that Sonequa Martin-Green played that, like, it was just so perfect. And in a weird way, it kind of justified the scene in the, I think it was in the second episode where Connor's blown out into space, you know. I mean, because that worked in the episode. I mean, it was a shocking moment and it kind of raised the stakes and everything. But to me, this kind of gave it, it kind of went back and gave it more shading and more emotional weight because, you know, she she has to kill this person that she served with for, you know, years and years um, after basically feeling bad or feeling responsible for his death the first time. Yeah. And it's wordless. There's, there, there's no dialogue. It's just Sonequa Martin-Green's face, uh-huh. you know, doing all the heavy lifting. And I thought that was really amazing. And then yeah. she has to turn around and be the merciless Terran captain, you know, burn him like the next second later. So that was yeah. great. I totally I agree. Think- yeah, that stood yeah. out to me as well. And I it's just it's it's important to have that there because so many people think, oh, you know, Burnham the mutineer. Um or she stepped into the role of of, you know, the mirror captain too easily, blah blah blah. No, like she's she's still very human and she's not a murderer. Um she feels these feelings and the the expression on her face when that happened was just a word winning and you know i think it's if you zoom out from that a little bit i kind of took away from this 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 episode it's it's a great development opportunity for her character because not only does she have to kill someone that she you know was close with and worked with for years now she's in a she's in a position where you know she's been carrying the well potentially the guilt of having had a hand in the deaths of everybody on the Shenzhou. Now they're all alive in the mirror universe, but in a different way than she knew them. So now she's faced with the fact that, well, you know, these people are still alive and I'm going to have to see a lot of these people when I go over there. This is a really heavy thing for her to have to go through and then to have to kill one of them after they're going through that. It's just, it, it had to be incredibly emotionally taxing even for her with the you know with the Vulcan training you could see it like you guys said in her face you know she was coming unraveled before she had to walk onto that bridge um so I I can't even imagine the weight of you know feeling like you're responsible for the deaths of all of those people only to come into contact with all of them again I feel like there's a temptation scenario there even after the brutality of killing Ensign Connor it's as Tilly said the uh twisted version of everything I've ever aspired to be all of a sudden Burden is captain of the Shenzhou and she has her crew back maybe maybe she can get over the what the Terran Empire demands of her it's definitely some better prospects than going back to jail <laughs> <laughs> well 
one thing that that moment actually kind of made me think of, which kind of touched on too, was the the idea that, and I don't know if we're ever going to get back to this, but you know, Burnham, as well as Starfleet, think she is the reason why the Shenzo was destroyed, why the war was started, and I suppose that's because she killed the torchbearer, right? You know, and that's why she's thinking that this set off this chain of events. But the reality is that Takuma had planned this all along. Like, they were drawn into a trap for that express purpose. So it makes me wonder if we're ever going to get back to the, that plot point where, they're like, it's somehow revealed that, like, no, Burnham, your actions were actually, no matter what you did, you wouldn't have, you know, stopped this because the Klingons were planning it no matter what, or if that's just something they're going to move on from. But it was just something that kind of I hadn't even thought about, really, until that moment in the, the turbo lift kind of, you know, jogged my memory of that, that that we know better. We kind of have the bigger sense of it, but the characters don't. Yeah, there's a lot of things to wrap up in a, a, a short amount of time. <laughs> like those gonna... black black badges. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a big question mark. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? My uh so uh, yeah, I already kinda even though we we hate him now, um Shazad Latif is doing a really great job of unraveling so props to him as an actor. Um yeah, Captain Tilly helped make this episode for me, and I just absolutely love the confidence that she had. Like the minute she, you know, stepped in as captain in the, you know, in the mirror uniform, um, it's it's a, an amazing and inspiring thing to see because I've certainly been in her shoes um, being forced into a position where I, I don't quite have that confidence um, and seeing someone just step into that role so perfectly uh, was really, really great. Uh, I just, I love her. I love her so much. <laughs> um, yeah. Props to Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> Glad to have him back. Glad to have him on this episode. Um, I'm cu- curious to see what it would have been without him. Uh, so, I mean, overall there was, there was a lot, a lot about this that I really, really loved. Um, and a lot that I didn't, <laughs> and that's just kind of where I think I'm going to stand on this episode. It's really tough. Cause I want to say it's my favorite and yet I don't feel that I can because of the things that I have issues with, but I'm really excited to see what happens next week. And I've heard from everyone on after Trek that, that it doesn't stop. Like the pace is picked up and it's going to be like this. Hopefully we don't have any more terrible deaths like we did. Um, knock on wood. And that was the other thing. Like I, I kept saying, like, I knew, like I knew, I didn't think they were going to kill off Stamets, but I'm like, it's going to be Culver. And indeed it was. And I was just like, why, why should we have to worry about it? And why did it have to happen anyway? Um, I'm curious to see how they bring him back. Aaron Harbert's mentioned reading the actual mycologist Paul Stamets's book um, and that that would give you great insight and in how it may happen. And I'm certainly not going to go read that book. I'm just going to watch and see what happens. Um, but overall, I, I like the change up. I thought it was really fun. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. And yeah. I yeah, we'll see. Mm. Well, uh, 
I don't know. I don't know where to go with this, but it, it kind of made me wish uh, for the old days of um, a simpler time on Star Trek where, <laughs> you know, they just hit you in the back of a head with the butt of a phaser, knock you out. Instead of killing you. I mean, uh, yeah. we're so obsessed with death and killing people on TV shows now. It's just getting old for me. Um, it's just so unnecessary. I, I, can't we just kind of take a step back and <laughs> have a little more kinder, gentler approach to these things? Well, and I, I was going to say, I think, too, to your point, though, I mean, it's interesting. I think especially like with them kind of saying, hey, it's sci-fi, guys. You never know what's going to happen. And I think that's actually kind of the, the point against killing people <laughs> is because we are so you know i'm a comic book fan too and it's like i am basically like this death actually did mean a lot to me but only because it was well written and they so well acted and i cared about the characters but more often than not like i mean i stopped walking i stopped watching the walking dead because i realized that the main thrust of that show is just to kill off the people you like um and i was like and i was like i, I really have no interest in watching this i don't you know um, my, my thing was always, you know, Carol or Daryl, I'm out. But then I realized, like, then I realized like, actually I'm out anyway, because you just like pretty much killed my, my interest in the show. And, um, you know, there's something to be said, yeah, for, for death as, um, a dramatic device that can take you to different places, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's done so much that I think a lot of us just become numb to it and it just sort of becomes pointless. So it's done a lot in Star Trek, too. Um, well, okay, Tashiar. I mean, Jedzia there is Dax. More, yeah, Jedzia, um, Zial. Like, it's, and yeah, there's tons of deaths in Star Trek that have meaning, but there are a lot of deaths in Star Trek that don't, and they were characters that really didn't need to die or just died because of a plot device. And that's the other thing is like, this is right now a death that's just for shock value. And it's the same thing with the sexual assault scene is that that was just done for, for sex. Um, that, that didn't need to be there. I, it was there for, Oh, let's put some nudity in our star Trek. Um, and by, and I, I don't know, that's just my opinion, guys, not a fact, but yeah. that's how it, that's I how mean, it comes across. I did really appreciate them not including the sexual assault clips in uh, his flashbacks in this episode. I appreciated that decision so much. Yeah. If that had happened in this episode, I know I don't. Yeah. I may not have been able to do this podcast. I seriously like it's, it's hard enough to talk about Colbert. Um, if I have to see more, any more of that, I will not be happy. Um well. Well, one thing I hope that they, the writers gain from this first season is, you know, I think, like, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the fact that, you know, this is a new venture. It's Star Trek on a streaming platform. It's, you know, for mature audiences, they're trying this new thing. And so maybe they, they felt pressured to kind of use some of these, you know, bags of tricks that, you know, quote unquote, prestige television is known for, which is like killing off characters and um, shock value and sexual content. Yeah. And it's like, they don't need it. The show is strong despite those things, you know, despite yeah. themselves, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like uh, you know, you, they don't need it. They should be confident enough that they have such good writing. I think those tricks just aren't necessary. And it's not that as a Star Trek fan, because I think that's something that you kind of feel like if people start complaining about that stuff, like, it's like, it's not that I'm a prude or that I'm not okay with sex or violence, but I just, 
you've got to be careful. You've got to be very conscientious about how you use it. And if you can't do that or, you know, just don't do it. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I, I just don't think Star Trek needs that stuff necessarily. Not in this format mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it just seemed a little too over the top to me. And, you know, this, this I, I don't think we mentioned this at all uh, in any of our conversations. And I'm not going to go back to the the, the death of, of Culber. But I think one of the things that made it even more impactful for me was it followed uh, what I thought was a really meaningful and beautiful short scene where, I mean, we, we, we have no idea if Stamets is going to be able to come back from where he is. Uh, we don't know how they're going to be able to cure him, but the fact that he came back for just a split second when Culber leaned in and gave him a kiss and was, you know, talking to him, he came back for just that split second. And we're like, he gave that glimmer of hope that, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, there's something here that can bring him back. And then to rip Culber away from us like that, that uh, I thought there was a great moment there and I wish they would have capitalized a little bit more on that. But, you know, I guess maybe we keep watching and down the road, maybe they will. But, um, you know, I, I guess that was another one of my spin it agains, by the way, that I didn't get a chance to bring up was that one little moment. Well, I mean, it's all valid stuff and, you know, it's our feelings. Everyone's feelings are valid. Uh, and I just, that just has to be reiterated. And I, I really don't like what I see online with people trying to put, just invalidate other people's feelings. Like you have the right to feel however you're going to feel. Um, and just let, let people react the way they're going to react. You don't have to agree with it. But don't invalidate someone else's feelings. I agree. I agree. Um, oh, and the, the threat ganglia made an appearance. Yes, yeah. I love that. <laughs> we hadn't seen them in a while. It was nice to see them pop back up. Yeah, it was kind of like, oh, really, though? I don't know. I kind of rolled my eyes at that part that a little cute. bit. So I was like, oh. I think the Lorca's, uh Scotty accent was great. Um, yes. The Defiant tie-in was really nice, although I hear there's a lot of chatter about the way the Defiant looks. Um, Which kind of cracks me up because it's like a schematic on a screen. I was like, yeah, I, I, you know, again, I'm not there's people who concern themselves much more with the way ships look than I do, I suppose. But yeah, that's I was like, me. The, yeah, I was like, the general outline looks about the same. I think it's OK. And it's also been in that it's also well, I guess I'm maybe I'm confused. But no, yeah, it's been in this universe. I'm assuming for 90 or almost a hundred yeah. years. Yeah. So it's like, they may have changed it up some, I don't know what they're yeah. doing with it, but yeah. yeah. We've had enough changes with this new discovery that it just doesn't phase me. I don't care about that <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, I get if people are, if people are upset about it, whatever, that's fine. But yeah. um, we don't want to invalidate their feelings. They're definitely... exactly. <laughs> they have the right to be upset. So totally. But uh but yeah, there was a lot of really fun stuff in this episode that that made it great. And uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to lead us, trying to close on a high note so that we're not just like. <laughs> well, there's more. Well, there's more positives. I've got more positives. Okay. I can throw some out there. I, I love the fact that we now have a third canonical way to get to the mirror universe. I mean, this is great. Now we have three ways that we can get there, all of which are repeatable. Uh, transporting yourself in the middle of an ion storm. That'll get you there, right? <laughs> We've got getting caught in the Tholian web. That'll get you there. And now aborting mid-spore jump will get you there. So if you want a vacation in the mirror universe, people, you got three choices. 
Oh, no, we have a fourth one. Didn't Deep Space Nine use some kind of device with the transporter? I, it was some kind of device they used with the transporter to get back and forth. I don't remember the specifics. Hmm. Interesting. We'll have to look that one up. You're probably, I think you're right. I think you're right. So maybe there's four. There's four repeatable ones. Uh, that They will lump them in with all the repeatable time travel devices <laughs> that they have in track that they never intentionally <laughs> seem to use when they need to. But um, uh, I I'm have said this many times on Disco Trek. I'm a sucker for beautiful visuals. And this episode did not disappoint with some great yeah. exterior shots. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. ship flying around in that wreckage was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous stuff. I love the way that they liked the ship in the show like mm-hmm. uh, really, almost all the time like it's never just it's color like it's like blues and it's just yeah. so much it's gorgeous like i, I literally mm-hmm. just you could take a screenshot of any of them and hang up on your wall you know so especially yeah. like it was interesting going back and watching uh the enterprise episode which i don't i don't want to sound like i'm an enterprise hater because i do like that show i just hadn't seen the last couple seasons but it is like amazing to me to see the CGI technology in that versus this, like, it's just like, it's like PlayStation two cutscene versus, you know, reality. And, um, it's it's really incredible. Like it's, you know, it's worth all the time. Like I'm sad that it's going to take so long for the show to come back, but if that's the kind of visuals I'm getting, you know, that's fine. I'll wait for season two. Yeah. And that's the one thing where I'm like, okay, yay. It's on CBS all access or whatever, because, being being behind that paywall helps pay for it looking so good. Um, I'm just frustrated because I tried to watch it um, on the PS4. I watched it live and it had some hiccuping. I tried to watch it, I think, Monday night and it just kept stuttering. So I stopped. I tried to watch it on my laptop and it... It's just like at this point in time, I should be able to watch it seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Like I should be able to watch it seamlessly the night that it airs. Like I can on Netflix with everything else I watch. So, um, er, just... <laughs> I thought we were ending on a positive note, Heather. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, um... I guess I do have a question for you guys. Is that I, I, I just didn't know, like from your guys' point of view, do you think that there's a possibility that Discovery will never get back? Do you think, because I know I've seen like a couple people brought up this kind of idea of like, maybe this will be like the Star Trek equivalent of sliders and they'll keep on going to different universes and times and things. Um, but I just didn't know if you guys had thought about that at all, if you think it's a pot. Like, I think it's difficult to take a huge ship to new universes all the time. Um, yeah. So the practicality of that might not work, but it is kind of an interesting notion. It is. Yeah, that would give them a totally new direction for next season. If yeah, it's like every. That. Like yeah, every half season, you go somewhere new. I, I hadn't thought that far ahead. Um, I feel like I kind of feel like by the end of this season, they'll be back in the prime timeline. Um, but I don't know. And I mean, that's the good part is that the show definitely keeps me guessing, aside from Ash's Vogue. Um, <laughs> like, it still continues to surprise me. So, uh, in good ways and bad, bad ways that I don't like. But anyway, anyway, positive, positive, positive. Hey, Lorca's triple is alive. That's a positive. Yes, we still haven't seen the triple and Ash in the same room together, but now we know. <laughs> I still think that should have been the giveaway. I still think they should have detected the Klingon that way. That would have been beautiful. It would have been a nice throwback to uh, to Trouble with Tribbles. But. Well, well, this kind of I mean, make you wonder why they didn't like reorganize that Klingon's insides and sh- shaped out his bones. 
<laughs> just make it much more, it's, you know. Like this, the, they still don't know. I mean, we're the ones that know, but they don't know. That's so true. it's still, I mean, you know, and then sort what? of threat ganglia, but. Stamets um, knows. But, but yeah. Stamets does know. Yeah. That he's he's it. Like the, everyone else doesn't know. So we still have the potential for a triple reveal. Um, I doubt that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> and you know, looking, at, I don't th- even the next episode. Um, they have. Well, I guess that Tyler and Burnham do do it because they're like naked together, mm-hmm. uh, talking. And boy, about is she going to be sorry when she finds out about Colbert? Oh God, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I it, it feels like I kind of know the direction they're heading, but at the yeah. same time, I don't. So, uh, despite what predictability is there, there's still an awful lot that's gonna surprise us. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks. I am hoping for Emperor Giorgio. Uh, who is not who okay this is actually something concerning i've seen online is people saying oh if she's emperor shoujo she must be related to hoshi sato i'm like no 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 not all asians are related come on yeah i saw that too and just wanted to groan so loud (laughs) but even even besides that problem of it, the what from we see what we see of the Terran Empire in the other Mirror Universe episodes, I don't think it's stable enough for Hoshi Sato's rule to have lasted long enough to name her successor. No, probably not. <laughs> um, yeah. The only other person I, I think that I wouldn't mind seeing is the Emperor or the Empress or whatever you want it is uh, Cornwell. I think that would be kind of cool too. Yeah. Well, I wonder how many episodes until the Emperor is revealed. Who knows? We don't have that many left, so it's got to be soon. Wow. The faceless emperor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't do a faceless emperor unless it's somebody, somebody you care about. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know that it's not Culber because they talked about that on After Trek. So After Trek should be paying me for all the, the three mentions of their show. <laughs> yeah, really. Or at least give you a free CBS All Access membership. Come on. Seriously. Come but on. When it works. Jeez. Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, well, and does anybody else have anything uh, they want to say when, for their moments that stood out to them before we wrap the show up? No, I'm good. Okay. Annie, anything from you? No, I think we've covered this episode pretty, th- pretty thoroughly. Mm, I would agree. John, anything from you? No. I mean, what a great episode to, to end up on the show. <laughs> no, I mean, Aren't we glad that they cut them up the way they did and that mm. they left it, you know, instead of leaving it on into what was the... We left it on Into the Forest, I go. So the one mm-hmm. before that is where they were going to leave it. Yeah, the Saruman. Oh, uh, yes. Series Pacum Parabellum. I can speak Latin now, guys. Oh, um, uh, I actually wanted to compliment you on your Latin pronunciation when you did that podcast episode, especially yeah. since you clo- chose classical pronunciation rather than ecclesiastical. That was the right choice. Thank you so much. <laughs> I would like to thank Wikipedia. No, uh, wherever I found it, some some website I put in for the correct pronunciation, my behind-the-scenes magic there. Um, but, yeah, aren't we glad that they did this the way that they did because this was a great episode to come back to. I mean, a- across the board, the reception seems to be extremely positive. People really love the episode, but they really hated 
what happened to Culber, mm. um, whether or not it was just the death, you know, senseless death of a favorite character or bury your gay trope or whatever. Um, that was certainly a faux pas, but overall people seem to like it. And, um, everyone's just glad to have Star Trek back on television. Yeah. And, and I'm super pumped that we're going to spend some time here. Like, I think it's, I think it's, I'm really excited about where the story could go, you know, wherever it's going to go in the mirror universe. So. Especially now, like, you know, who knows what they could have done. They could have messed it up, I guess, but I think they did a great job. And like I said, I mean, I was on the edge of my seat up until what happened. And then I was just frozen in my seat. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I definitely want to watch the next one. Mm-hmm. I think we all do. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, on our way out, why don't we go around the uh, the table here and tell everybody out there where they can find us if they want to talk Trek. Annie, where can people locate you online? Um, I'm one of the admins on Facebook of the USS Pershing's Officers Club, nice. uh, which is the official page for Star Trek New Horizons, a written fan series that takes place after Deep Space Nine, uh, talking about the reconstruction, dealing with the Romulans, the Cardassians, and the Klingons. What's going to happen then? Very cool. Very cool. John Wesley Huff, where can people find you online? Well, I'm a member of the Facebook group, so you can definitely get me through there. Um, and also on Twitter, I'm John Wesley Huff. It's pretty easy. It's my name is J-O-N, uh, Wesley Huff. Uh, so, yeah, I, I post, sometimes post artwork and stuff for Discovery and different things. So, yeah. Very cool. Heather Barker, how about you? I am LLA Posper on Twitter, and I am one of the admins of the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group on facebook look i did it right did it ah alongside you jeff where can people find you in the very same place as they can find you heather in the same facebook group that i'm not going to attempt to do um, you, you just executed it perfectly uh, i'm also warp factor jeff on twitter and if you want to talk to us as the show we are at disco underscore trek on twitter please send us your feedback and tweets we'd love to talk to you and you can find us online and our website the tricorder transmissions.com and i guess we will be back again uh next week uh, next week we'll be back on tuesday this episode's launching a little bit late so uh, you'll get a double dose of disco trek uh, in a very short time here uh, as we'll be back on the air in a few days. So thanks again, everybody, for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure having you guys, and we'll see you guys next time on this show.